Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 42. Chris, hey, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? 42, the answer to life, the universe, and everything. That's correct, yes. Uh, if only we could come up with a better question to give to GPT-3. I th That was a really good segue. <laughs> uh, so last week I was asking about it, and I was super excited because I finally had access to this thing that I didn't have access to before. And after playing with it for like an hour, I sort of came to what I now see, I think, is the position that you were in last week of like, this is really cool, but I'm not quite sure what to do with it. It's Some of the things it was doing were just astounding to me. Like, that I, I did the demo that we talked about last week of, you know, having a shopping list or a packing list, and it was able to give me suggestions that fit in order. But they weren't useful. <laughs> like... It was sort of just like, oh, you know, uh, good job, little two-year-old. You have completed this list. Uh, like, yes, that that is correct. That's a that's a correct answer. Uh, but I can't use that yet. Like, you you need to grow up a, a little bit more first. Uh, is that am I am I correctly uh, portraying what your opinion of this thing is? That it's just like cool, but not not directly useful. Yeah, it's um, it produces very interesting output, but it's also often slightly wrong in in strange ways or not useful, like you said. Or it'll um, yeah. So that's why a lot of the tools that use it, they'll present like five different options to the end user, and so it's mm -hmm. not like GPT three is writing uh, you know a blog post. It's like here are five ways you could start a blog post, and then you kind of pick the one because out of five, there there probably will be one good one. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very interesting tool. I'm excited to see how you know how it progresses um but it's just a little wrong just enough to make it not quite useful in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah i think attaboy.dev is sort of a perfect application for this because it's nothing mission critical if you right. respond to something that doesn't make sense it'll sort of just be like amusing people aren't going to ask for their money back because you know <laughs> it, it wasn't encouraging enough uh if anything they'll screenshot it and post it on twitter and like that'll be a good marketing uh thing but yeah like I, I I was amazed at how quickly I could make something like that just by writing a prompt, just by specifying the problem is like, you know, this is a conversation between someone and their their helpful, encouraging friend, uh, right. and then that 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 solved the problem. Okay, we have the, we have a thing now that responds encouragingly and sometimes specifically, uh, sometimes in ways that makes an uncanny amount of sense uh, to things. And so yeah, it's you know in. Another twenty minutes of work. I feel like I could hook this up with the, the groundwork, uh, of just the, the framing of everything else in the system. So, that's kind of cool. And I like that I know that this is a thing and that this is a tool. Oh, one thing I'd love your take on. I saw reading the documentation. There, there were two endpoints I was surprised by: uh, the search endpoint and the answers endpoint. Both of them let you provide your own documents. Uh, and then it searches and, and comes up with the answers based on what's in the documents that you uploaded. Have you played with those? Do, that, that seems like it would be much more useful of like uploading your own notes and then you can like query uh, what you had already written about something. Yeah, I haven't played with that. That'd be really interesting to play with. I actually, I think I heard about those but forgot to go mess with them while I was still on my free trial. Um, I would make sure to figure out if you have to pay per token for everything you upload as well mm. or if it's just the generation um because if it's if you have to pay for everything you upload that would be very expensive um if you uploaded a whole bunch of stuff because um, a token is basically a word and mm. um so yeah if you uploaded a lot of text it may cost a lot of money or 
or it may not it may only you may only have to pay on generations i'm not sure noted okay i'll, I'll check that before playing with it thank you um that that starts becoming much more interesting because like i've, I've been taking notes in this settle casting system for a long time and i take notes on like every call that i have and every book that i read and uh ideas that i have and like walks that i have and so i, I feel like a, a substantial amount of my thinking now is in this format that if, if i could just upload it to this thing and be talking to an echo of thoughts that i've had in the past that would be really cool uh and i i could imagine that being much more useful than like okay i'm going on a trip i'm bringing a hat and i'm bringing a shirt and i'm bringing shoes and what else am i bringing uh a suitcase yes that's correct i i am bringing a suitcase uh i wasn't gonna forget that but yes that's uh yeah okay cool uh i have uh, uh two other projects i want to talk with you about but uh what, what did you get up to this week uh i think you're in full student mode right now any other juicy homework problems yeah uh yeah so i mostly worked on my master's um classes i finished my lab my c plus plus threading lab which was uh threads are difficult <laughs> which is you know why i'm <laughs> taking the class about them but uh so c plus plus is uh i sort of hate lots of things about it but i actually kind of like it um certain things anyway it's it's really neat to be that close to the metal it's really neat to like it runs super fast which you know it should because there's no you know no buffer um between you and you know like the real like there's no just in time compiler or anything like that right it just works um but it also like you can shoot yourself in the foot super easily uh i there is this one um it was supposed to write to an output file and you have to provide an argument for it to write to the output file. And I didn't provide that argument, like the file name. So it was just writing in the same directory, whatever, like, I don't know where it was pulling the bytes from, but it was pulling the bytes from somewhere and making that the file name. So it was like lots of Unicode, like files that were being produced. Oh. And it's like, just an example of how, you know, if you're not, if you're not careful, you're going to read or write to some memory that you don't mean to. So, um, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, and then the next the next lab is the CUDA lab, and that one looks like it's going to be a lot of work, uh, more than the C++ lab even. It, um, CUDA is very confusing. It's a different kind of programming model, and I'm looking forward to it, but it's going to be a lot of work. I despise C++. I uh, recognize that, like, yes, it's closer to the metal, and so you can do things much faster, but, man, dealing with pointers and memory leaks and, like, things that you just don't even... I don't even have to think about that in javascript or ruby like there's i have to work to try to be accessing the memory like I, I i very much like the higher level of abstraction of just okay no manage memory for me i don't want to have to think about this and uh if i don't if i don't provide you the file name like give me an error don't just randomly read <laughs> right. bytes of memory uh i i I have talked to a few people who are interested in learning to code, uh, which you absolutely should. Incredible, useful skill. And uh, a few of them have said that they would like to learn C++ first because they heard that that's good for video games. And very consistently, my advice is, please don't do that. That is a terrible idea. <laughs> like, this will turn you off of coding. C++ is very difficult. Uh, it's a, a more basic language. So you could, you could, you might fall into thinking that it's going to be simpler uh because it's it's lower to the metal but like no it's just more minutia uh i think javascript is the way to go uh good the um, other <laughs> well the other thing you could point them to if they're interested in video games is what i was doing a little bit of recently which is unity um unity has lots mm. of drag and drop things but then you can also add scripts and the scripts are in c sharp um which is 
you know, not it's not you know dynamically typed or anything, so you have to learn a little bit of things like that. But um, you can add as many or as few scripts as you want, and the rest you can do like with drag and drop stuff. So, uh, yeah, that would be a good place to point them, I think, as well for video game cool. stuff. I like Unity, um, and I enjoy C Sharp. It, it has more functional things. Uh, there's no kind of like JavaScript game framework, is there? Something like uh, Unity. So, well, so there are. Actually, Unity has something called Unity Script, which is supposedly like JavaScript, um, but you like it's not as good as the C Sharp interface or something. I don't, there's something that's different about it, um, so you can do that. And then there's lots of JavaScript frameworks, but they're not drag and drop like Unity is. It's all you know, they're all very uh, code heavy. Hmm. Hmm. I'd like to do more research on that because my my brother in particular like is really interested in making video games and figuring out how to do that but uh i I haven't had a good place to show them about a place to get started because i don't i don't make video games and like i've opened unity and tried it but uh i'm I'm not sure what the uh a a good starting point for that is where you're not having to learn the the lower languages another even simpler one is game maker studio um i think Mm. that you can get up and running much faster even than unity um so I'll try that also. Okay. I have, I have a friend who uh, built his career on GameMaker. Uh, he's the lead developer for Rivals of Ether. Uh, and I think they're just now switching to Unity after having developed the game for six years or something. So, yeah, that would be a good place to start. Um, talk to me about the CUDA project that you, you said is uh, going to be difficult. What's, what, give, me, give me the juice. What, what is this project? Yeah, so CUDA is the way that you program GPUs, or NVIDIA GPUs anyway, and it's still in C++, but you use a special compiler, which lets you use like CUDA directives. Um, so it's a lot of it's just like C++ stuff, but then you can say, like, I want to allocate this many blocks and this many threads per block on my GPU, and it will return with success. And then once you do that, then you can actually like copy your data from your CPU to your GPU, or from your C- your computer RAM to your GPU RAM, and then you can run like, um, you know, commands on the data on the GPU. Um, so that all sounds good. Uh, the confusing bits are things like um, to parallelize on the GPU, you have to start thinking differently. So as an example, like the hello world is like you have an array A and array B. You just want to add them together to get array mm-hmm. C. Um, in uh, on a CPU, you'd be like, you know, for all the elements in array, you know, A and B, you know, C equals A plus B or C at mm-hmm. I equals A at I plus B at I. On a GPU, what you do is you say, I want to allocate as many threads as I have elements. And then instead of a for loop, I say C at my thread index equals A at my thread index plus B at my thread index. And then it just does it all in parallel. Um, So that's really cool. Uh, That's easy for a single for loop case. But what happens when you start having multiple threads and you have to synchronize like different steps and you have to copy some things back to the CPU, uh, but not every, you know, you don't want to copy everything because that would be too much data going back and forth. So... Mm. It's going to get really confusing, and the lab is complicated because it's a K-means lab. K-means is a it's a pretty pretty standard machine learning like algorithm to like group things into groups. You have to do it on the CPU first, so that you have a baseline you know time, and then you have to do it like three different ways on the on the GPU. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to be a lot of work. It's it's totally different. Uh, I have to think about doing it. Oof, I'm I'm trying to think even of your uh, the assignment you had last week of uh making an array that's the the total of the array up to that point um yep. okay so to to do that 
the algorithm you had was you treat it as a tree and you uh, sum each thing, you, you sum each pair of things and then go up. By oh, I, I've lost it. <laughs> you, you, you sum like the neighbor, so that's the next door, and then you sum uh, two away, then four away, then eight away, then 16 away. And then you do it in reverse to get the like the in-between things. Yeah. Okay. So for that, you would do, that. you would launch like a thread per item, I guess. And then, yeah. see, I don't even know yet. A thread per item, and then you would divide your threads in half each time. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Have fun. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's, I can see this being very useful in uh, like understanding that, you know, when you're calling things with TensorFlow, it's not black magic. It's it's just linear algebra and knowing exactly how you're going between the CPU and GPU. But man, this this seems like something that I would want to power through and be like, okay, I get it. Like, it's all just math. <laughs> Let me just use the API again now. Uh, yep. Cool. That's cool that you're getting a, a lower level perspective on that though. Like that's that is something that I feel like is frustrating to me right now is a lot of the stuff in TensorFlow just feels like black magic that I don't understand. And uh, if I if I had a better understanding of how GPUs were working and how those lower level algorithms were happening, I feel like I could make better decisions of like, you know, that the type of loss function I'm doing. I, I still don't understand that at all. I know that there are different loss functions and that they work in different ways. And that's where my understanding stops. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just like, which one do you want me to use for this example in the book? Okay, I'll use that one. I don't know why. Uh, is that something you understand currently? Do you, do you have a grasp of loss functions and like why you would use one over another? I have a pretty good understanding of it now. Yeah, after doing enough okay. things. Yeah, um, yeah. You basically, uh, I won't go through all of them now, but it depends on the type of problem you're solving. So classification versus regression, and then you know how many. Like it, it also depends on the final activation that you want to use. So sigmoid versus softmax versus uh, regression. Any any of the ones for regression. Mm. Um, so there's really like three big ones. And if you know the three big ones, then yeah. Um, and then you can have custom loss functions, which are more confusing, but actually really powerful once you understand them. So, hmm. How did you learn what those were? Did you read a book about this? Did you just, as you were going and you stumbled into the problem of that the solution here might be finding a different loss function and that's that's the point that you did it? Did you, okay, here's what I'm asking. Did you learn those just in time or did you learn those from some sort of a curriculum uh, academically and then having that base level knowledge, you were able to use it? So a little of both. So I learned it from like YouTube videos and tutorials and stuff. Um, but then I really didn't fully understand it until I started doing the Kaggle competitions. Um, and eventually in the Kaggle competitions, I wanted a custom loss function. So I was like, because I wanted, like I knew what I wanted. And I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to get this custom loss function that I actually want. Uh, and then I dove in and actually figured everything out. So, yeah, I didn't really understand it until I had to use it. So I knew it sort of beforehand, but now I understand it because I used it, which is how I think a lot of people learn a lot of things. <laughs> like you don't fully understand it until you use it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I feel justified then in not knowing the difference between loss functions. <laughs> I'll wait until this is an actual problem and then I'll, uh, I'll learn it just in time. Uh, I have a algorithmic problem that uh our conversation last week partially helped me solve uh and i'm pretty cool proud of it uh so i have been really interested in this problem of uh, building a better ebook reader uh, i think this is something we've talked about a few times before uh, i'm calling it tree books 
because the the base premise is like it feels to me like a book is organized hierarchically and right now it's organized linearly and so uh and, and there's also a, a better methodology of reading a book uh that i got from a book ironically titled how to read a book where you're doing uh uh, uh summarization at at successive levels of abstraction so you you summarize things at the level of the paragraph and then once you've summarized all the paragraphs in a section you summarize the section and then once you've summarized all the things in the section you summarize the chapter uh and then once you've summarized all the chapters you, you have a summary of the whole book and the method encourages you to like make several passes of the book at different at different levels so like first you just read the table of contents and then you skim through at the next level of the headings and then you go through and, and read things and or skip around for things that are interesting to you so all that to say like i'm, I'm very interested in this problem because it, it it i reading more books is the thing that i'd like to be doing more of especially now that deploy empathy is out uh this felt like a perfect opportunity to pick this project back up um and it's a very interesting technological puzzle to be treating something as a tree uh and the problem i ran into was man tree traversals are really deceptively hard <laughs> like yeah. to specifically the problem i was trying to solve that i thought i had solved before but there were actually like a bunch of edge cases i wasn't solving was like if you have if you have a list of nodes expanded so think of like in uh in the finder on mac os if you have if you have nested folders and there's like three layers of nested folders and you're you're within the last item of the last nested folder and you hit down the down arrow on your keyboard you go to the next thing at the parent level. So like your your grandfather's sibling is the node that you go to. And then if you're at the grandfather's sibling and you go up, you go to the most expanded ancestor of your previous sibling. Those two actions were so difficult <laughs> for, to try to wrap my head around. I was going through like trying to program each key of like, okay, if you hit down, then you need to go recursively up until you get to the, you, so you need to like go up one level and then check if that thing has a child. And if it does have a child, then you do that one. But if it doesn't have a child, you go to the previous ceiling and you keep trying to go up. And then I had another one similarly of like, okay, if you're, if you're at a level and you go up, you have to check if your previous sibling has an expanded child and if it does go down, but then keep doing that recursively to see if there's actually a, a thing in the bottom. And, uh, from our conversation last week on uh, you, which I, I guess I didn't even fully understand, of you like summarizing the, the things in an array by breaking it up and uh, doing that recursively, I had the thought like, oh, from a computer science perspective, how would I do this? Uh, and I remembered tree traversals were like a thing that I studied in, in uh, data science. And the first yep. thing I Googled was like tree traversal algorithm. And the first thing that came up was, oh, you can, you know, here's the algorithm to, to go through a tree in order. And I realized if I just pre-compute what is this tree in order? And then I recompute that anytime a, a list is expanding or collapsing. Then it becomes trivial. Then it just becomes, okay, where am I in the in order list? Go to the previous index or the next index if I go up or down. Uh, and then it was fixed. And so now I have this app that I can, <laughs> I, I can now use the up and down arrows to go through uh, Michelle Hansen's book, Deploy Empathy. And uh, it's very exciting. And it's all in Firebase. Uh, and I felt like I did a good job. And so I think, I think I just wanted that a boy. Yes, Christian, <laughs> you correctly, we were able to use computer science to solve an actual problem. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, yeah, tree traversals can be deceptively hard. So I, it, 
good on you for getting the in in order uh, tree traversal uh, printed. Yeah, um, I I think uh, what you described is sort of like a threaded binary tree. I kind of remember that from school. So I think mm. you sort of uh, that like what that does is it keeps the references from the nodes to the next thing. And so like if you had I, like a million node tree, and you didn't want to recompute all the the things every time it changed. Then I th I think a threaded binary tree or th threaded tree might be what you wanted. Yeah, I don't I don't really remember much uh, <laughs> much about that. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, recently, I had to actually do a tree thing too, where I I was sort of accidentally found myself with arrays nested inside of arrays, and I had to like I had to traverse that sort of like a tree, and mm. it broke my brain a little bit. So yeah, good job. <laughs> Computer science is hard. Uh, yeah. I wish I had asked you about this last week. Yes, a threaded binary tree. I think yeah, it, it like keeps it keeps pointers to the next and previous thing. Yeah, this is exactly what I would want to do. Well, so here's the it's problem: a, it's is a like, little different. Expanding and collapsing. Well, no, because I guess then I would just need to change two pointers. So if I collapse a node, I would just need to change, for the node that I collapsed, I would need to change what the next node is. And then for the node that it points to now, I would need to change what the previous one is. Okay. Right yeah. now, uh, recomputing all the nodes in a in a book-sized tree uh, happens instantaneously. I'm not noticing it, but yeah, if it yeah. was like a million yeah. node tree, I, I would want to use something like this. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you. You also don't have a binary tree. You have a multi-noded tree. So I don't know how that changes the algorithms for, for that, but... Hmm. Unless you do, did you model it like a binary tree, or do you? Have, yeah, because you have like probably multiple nodes per, or multiple branches per node, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. A, a, any node can have any number of children. Right. Right. I think it would still work though if I was if I was just keeping a linked list inside of the tree. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well. When and if that becomes a problem, uh, that's what I'll do. Oh, I had one other innovation on that that I was proud of. I, I had been storing each of the nodes in the book in Firebase as, as its own document. Um, and so then for a book, I have whatever thousands of documents that I need to query. And that was causing problems because like I would expand a node and then I would try to navigate between it. And network latency was a thing and uh, it was causing delays. And then I had the thought like, a book is not that big. It's like a couple yeah. hundred kilobytes. Uh, I could just be storing the entire book as one JSON document and then loading all of that when I load the page. And, you know, it's it's less than one image would be. So it's not it, it, no skin off my back if, like, the, that, that I'm loading the entire book every single page load. Um, and that that removed all those latency issues. Uh, so I was very proud of that. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's surprising how small text is <laughs> compared to images or video or anything, yeah. Yeah, and it takes so much more work. Like, how how long was Michelle writing this book? But I guess the benefit of a book is that it's it's very condensed thought. It doesn't take a lot of computer space. It's not like video, uh, but it's, it's very information dense. This is part of why I'm so inspired to be working on this is like video is so easy for me to consume. I go on YouTube and I can just do it mindlessly. And text is so much more intentional. I have to be focused and thinking about it but like audiobooks i can just have playing and that's that's much less intentional but then audiobooks i sort of lose the context of where i'm reading in it so i'm really craving some sort of a way that i can be uh consuming text 
in a way that's as easy as YouTube or audiobooks are, but that still has the structure of text and still has the interactivity of a book, where if I hear an interesting thing in an audiobook, I want to be able to stop it right there and see and, and make a note and link it with something else. And uh, I, I want to be able to glance and see the, the structure of where I am in the book right now. Um, so I'm, th this is another like B to me project of, I, I want to be more effective at being able to read a, a textual book, but I'm, I'm really excited about it because man, how, how much value is there in books that has not yet made it to YouTube videos or, or podcasts or audiobooks or things? Um, I feel like there's a, there's a lot there that I'd like to be getting more out of. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way about books. It's much more intentional and it'd be neat to be able to consume them more easily. Uh, yeah. It's something to chew on what the different ways are that that could happen. Yeah. Cool. Have you seen Michelle's take on releasing her audiobook for Deploy Empathy? Uh, her take on it? No, I don't think so. It's so interesting. She, so you can pre-order it right now. It's not available. And she's recording and releasing two chapters per week as a private podcast. So if you mm. buy her audiobook right now, I think you get a discount or something. And uh, as she's recording it, she's publishing it chapter by chapter. And I love that. That is so in line with like, just ship it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. It, it doesn't have to be done. Uh, I, I, I think that's a, that's a really, really good idea. Yeah, that and is an idea. That's... Feedback as you're doing it, like you know, any right. question you have of, oh, is my microphone good enough? Well, you know, someone listening to this will tell you if any of those things uh, uh, aren't good or, or need to be changed, and then you know, you've only done a chapter or two. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, in a way that I haven't seen uh, private podcasts used before. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I have a second thing I'd like to talk to you about. This is much more of a hot take. Are you familiar with Grand Perspective? It was a really old, and I think still is, Mac app that shows you a high-level overview of the files being stored on your computer. Uh, so I'm not familiar with that one, but I'm, I used to use a different one. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it now. I used to use a different one, which looks almost exactly the same as that. Yep. That graph that it shows you, of uh, it, it's, it's, it's a bunch of boxes, and each box is a file on your computer and the bigger the box is the bigger the file is and then the boxes are organized you know the, all the all the files in a single folder are clustered together and then there's like a, a bigger box drawn around all the files in the in the folder and grand perspective is great for getting a higher level overview of trying to figure out like where should you delete files because you can immediately see like oh my gosh i have this you know nine gigabyte file that, that i haven't used that i don't actually need and you know you see that it, it's the biggest so it's the most uh, obvious, so you delete that one. And then, you know, if you have a folder of smaller files, you're still able to, to see that and delete it. A problem that I have in business is I don't know where I am spending money. And like, I don't know what's, I don't know what the biggest problems are. I, I could think about like, oh, should I be canceling my SaaS subscriptions or should I be changing hosting providers? but I'm sort of just guessing. Uh, and so I had the idea, what I would love is a grand perspective style graph, which I found out is called a tree map. That was very difficult to, to figure out. <laughs> uh, I want a tree map of what all of my expenses were in my business and uh, for my personal finances. Uh, and I got in the weeds a little bit of like integrating with a, a, the QuickBooks API and man, another OAuth flow. And I was like, yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm not going to do that right now. I do, I do not have the bandwidth for that. I'm, I'm working from Rome. I, I got to go to the Coliseum in two hours. Uh, 
<laughs> and um, so I figured out a report that I could download from QuickBooks uh, that is just like an Excel document. Uh, and in probably by the end of the day, I'm going to have a thing where you can export this uh, file from QuickBooks and I'll have a tutorial on how you can do that. And then you drag and drop that Excel document in uh, where did my money go dot app and the dot com was available in June and then oh. got uh, like of this year. I don't, I don't oh, know. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Uh, I might just add or remove words or something from that to, to get the dot com. But you, you drag and drop the Excel document in and then it'll show you a tree map of all of your expenses. Uh, what's your hot take on that? I, I didn't realize QuickBooks has a, an app store. Uh, and you know, with a little bit more work after I've done the front end of this, I, I can be integrating with the actual QuickBooks API and uh, generating this. Uh, this, I see this as being a much better product that I could charge money for because this is related to finances, and uh, you know, I, I could even charge based on like how much profit you made last year because I can see all your financial details. Uh, I, I'd love your hot take. What do you think of where did my money go to that? Uh, yeah, so I think this is a great idea. Um, I have used these kind of tree maps before, like for disk space, um, and it always provides something surprising. And then I've seen apps before that like show you where your personal money has gone, um, but it's it's always just like a spreadsheet, right? And I think the tree map is a perfect application. I haven't seen it before in finance. I don't consume a lot of the like. Um, if you do it for business, I think business is a great idea. Get it in the QuickBooks App Store, absolutely. Like that's in those are real apps making real money. Um, and then if you ever decide to do it for finance, for personal finance, which would be a lot harder cause you'd have to like integrate with plaid or something and mm -hmm. yeah, it'd be harder, but, um, there's like built in audiences for like the, so like anyone who watches like uh, the, I will teach you to be rich or you need a budget or any of those, anyone who hangs out in those kind of circles will also probably be interested in something like this. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's an awesome idea and it's something I haven't seen before for finance. Cool. Very good feedback. Thank you. Um, I, I was afraid you would say, oh, don't you know, Christian, QuickBooks already <laughs> shows you a, 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 it, a tree map in it. It might, it might, but I don't think it does. I, I mean, I haven't, I don't use QuickBooks, so I don't know, but. Um, okay. Yeah. What do you use for business accounting? What, what format? If I was trying to get all of your expenses so I could make a graph for you like this, how would I do that? Uh, I use my Chase credit card statement. <laughs> My, All my, right. Yeah, my, my business is very simple. And so, um, like, everything goes on the, on the business credit card. Um, and my, pay, my uh, like, payroll is through my accountant. So I get, mm -hmm. so that is a separate, um, like, thing. But, yeah, my business is simple. So I would not be a good, uh, a good user of this because I think I have, I have a very limited number of charges every month. And I just go through them by hand. Categorizing the expenses, saying, like, what category they're in. Uh, no. So I could, if I wanted to, I, I mean, I like at the end of the year, I go through like the way I do taxes is I download yeah. 12 months worth of chase, uh, account statements and I just yeah. go through them by hand and, and categorize them. Yeah. I mean, categorize them into payroll, um, capital expenditures and other basically. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. I'm a little ashamed to ask you that. I've been delaying having with my accountant because I don't want to admit that <laughs> sure. I don't know this. Why are we categorizing expenses? Why so, Why is this the thing we do? So you, you don't have to. The only thing that you may want to do is, or have to do maybe, is any large capital expense because you have to de uh, depreciate that. 
And yes. I don't know all the details of that. My accountant does. And so he asks for any large capital expense, which is over like a thousand dollars maybe. So when I buy, like I bought my computer, that'll be a capital expense this year. Um, and then he will write that depreciation into my taxes, which means something for taxes. I actually don't know what it means, but it means something and he will do it. <laughs> okay. This is, I've, I've been delaying this for years. I just need to get my accountant on the phone and have a, a <laughs> honest conversation about that I don't understand why I've been doing this. Uh, capital, I, I, I think there might be something about like, if you have a capital expense, you can depreciate it. There's like different ways that you can depreciate it. You can do it over time or like, but I really just, man, I, I've been doing this for years. <laughs> I don't know why. I have all these different categories of like domain names and like money that I pay to contractors and salary that I pay to myself. And they're all in different categories. And yeah. <laughs> So, show up on my taxes in different categories and i don't know why i've been doing this so i think payroll might matter also my accountant also does also does my payroll and so like that might matter um but everything else is just an expense like for, for our kind of business um yeah uh yeah and this is this is not advice maybe maybe i'm doing it wrong <laughs> very possibly but uh from my understanding like with one employee and you know like virtually no expenses um yeah that's how my accountant said to do it so man if the only categories that actually mattered were salary and capital expenses and other i would be at the same time so angry and frustrated and also so relieved because i have spent so much time looking at an expense just being like man is this is this a financial service expense or is right. this a something else? And like Googling, what are the definitions of those? And then realizing that I don't know the lower level thing of why this even matters or if it matters. Oh, there's a there's a big old pocket of, of anxiety wrapped up in here. <laughs> like, oh man, I here's here's what I want to do. I want to talk to my accountant. I want to be like, give, give me the sanctioned advice on like what I actually need to be doing here. And then I want to type up a blog post that's like, hey, I'm not an accountant, but this, I talked with my accountant and I think this is what the heuristic is. This is what actually matters. This is the minimal amount you need to be doing. And here is what would happen if you did this incorrectly. So I can imagine like maybe the reason that keeping track of salary is important is that, okay, well from salary, that's how you calculate payroll tax. And that's how you calculate how much you can contribute to a, 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 a oh, SEP IRA or, or something. Yeah. And like, here's why you need to keep track of capital because you can depreciate it in these two ways. And then I want to film a YouTube video about it. And then I want to never think about this again. <laughs> uh, and hopefully help someone else out there that doesn't understand how taxes work. That sounds fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I'll just, I just remember when I, when I went into my account the first time and asked about all that stuff, he was like, if you get audited, just drop all of your bank statements on their desk and say, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> and he said then that's what you'll do so cool yeah okay that doesn't sound scary at all i have all of them they're all neatly organized in dropbox folders uh yeah i could i could drop it all on their virtual desk in like four clicks i'll just share the whole folder with them okay good uh i will say it, it's if i had a high level overview like i'm talking about with this where does my money go dot app that would I would feel much less frustrated because then at least I would have like a reason for myself why I was categorizing them because I would like to know. Looking at my taxes for 2020, I was so surprised. Uh, do you know how much you spend per year in domain names? 
Uh, name cheap tells me, but I don't look at it. <laughs> I recommend you don't. <laughs> I for twenty twenty, I think I spent fifteen hundred dollars in domain names, which like I'm buying it fifteen dollars a year. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> I don't think I have that money. How for fifteen hundred? That's a hundred domain names. I don't think I have a hundred domain names, but maybe I do. <laughs> I, so I was. That's that's something I would love to see because in this higher level tree map, I would see like, oh wow, this this is like a significantly sized box. But okay, each individual box within this box is tiny. It's you know each one's fifteen dollars. So you know, could I go and sell half of them? Like yeah, but is that even worth my time of you know for for each one that i'm clicking through deleting saying not to not to uh renew like each each one individually is only 15 dollars, and the cost of the cost of one expiring when i actually needed it is really high so that that sounds kind of reasonable especially because like you you bought uh uh maker.dev for like how make, much was make that dev. <laughs> make that that dev, was right. that was a lot <laughs> <laughs> i let that one expire <laughs> good um yeah so i i haven't done that yet i i have yet to spend like real money on a domain name i've anytime i, I wanted one i was able to find a different one that was cheaper or, or unregistered so uh but I'm, I'm excited to see that higher level like you know what a great tweet that's going to be with that image of you know here's how much money i spent last year on my business and yeah uh from this it it, it looks obvious that i should be spending less money in this area and that i you know, I've been a little bit stressed out about domain names every time I buy one. And actually looking at this graph, it's such a small percentage of my total spending that like any time I even think about wanting a domain name, don't even think about it, just just buy it. Uh, so cool. Uh, do you have any thoughts on marketing this thing? Like I'm gonna tweet about it and a lot of people in my audience, I'm sure are also using QuickBooks uh, and it's gonna be on the QuickBooks app store and I can imagine like making info products like videos about this and maybe looking at hrefs of like i don't know what people would be googling that they would want to see something like this of like maybe high level overview of business spending or something did yeah. does anything marketing related come to mind well sure like so the content that you wanted to make about you know do you actually need to categorize your business expenses um that sounds like a perfect you know skyscraper post for you know on oh, the domain God. whatever yeah, right yeah. Um, I would make three or four of those, like how, what, you know, whatever questions you think you can answer, you know, about that, do that. Um, cool. I could also see if it's on the QuickBook app store, then I could see like targeting, like doing a, like a sponsored tweet or Facebook ad for anyone who likes QuickBooks. Um, mm. and just show that graph and say, do you know where your money's going? Right. And show the, show the graph. And like, that's the whole, that's like the whole tweet. Um, uh, yeah, I would try that because a lot of these, yeah. So I would combine those two. I would also do, so I would do Jordan Gall. If you're going to do this skyscraper post, I'd do Jordan Gall's, uh, his tactic for microconf 2018, maybe 2019, which was um, you drive ads to the free posts and you do it kind of in an order. And he, he has the order better than I, I can say it, but it's like you bring awareness to the problem. You bring awareness to the, like, industry or something maybe i got those reversed then you bring awareness that there is a solution and then you and then at the end you say this is our my solution um and at every point you have like a um you know put your email address for a free pdf about this point and then that's all leading up to the big 
hey, you should solve this by using my software. Um, yeah. And then drive ads to each of those pieces of free content. We will link that talk in the show notes. Uh, that's a uh, microconf recap that I did. Uh, I, uh, yes, that's exactly, yeah, that's the tactic to use. Uh, from, from that talk in particular, I, I remember being blown away. Uh, he, he had five blog posts that like linked back to this one blog post and uh uh yeah they were they were like in series of what each one was doing and lending it to, to being able to convert and he turned four thousand dollars in facebook ads into three hundred and forty eight thousand dollars in arr and like my gosh dude that's just printing money <laughs> can you do that again yep. can you do that 10 more times um yeah yeah that's i love the idea of targeting people who like quickbooks because yeah that's this 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 is a product for anyone who uses quickbooks i want this to be just like a one-click thing of if you use quickbooks you know let, let me show you exactly what you're going to get let me have a video showing you exactly what this is and uh let, let me have some other content of like here's why it's important to be uh categorizing expenses like i'm, I'm sure i'm not the only person to be thinking this um wondering why i'm going through this insanely infuriating task uh and then that can be driving seo uh i'm sure there's terms people are googling of like why am i categorizing expenses um and i can be targeting that for quickbooks because this is going to be a product for quickbooks and then i can juice those with facebook and twitter ads and then get people's emails and then well, I don't even know if I need their email. Like, I'll, I'll take their email, and then I can put them in a drip campaign. And then yeah, yeah, you wouldn't it. even have to do that. I don't. I think he, he focused on retargeting, actually. And so uh, you could just yeah, yeah, retarget yeah. him. And then each level you're retargeting within Facebook. Yeah, so for people who clicked on the first ad, now you just advertise to just them for the, the second one in the campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll just do exactly that. Um, does, a, does a price point come to mind? Uh, I see this as sort of a thing that you would look at, like, once a year or once a quarter yeah um, yeah i would do i think i like annual is good um and i would i actually don't know i would look at the quickbooks app i don't know anything about the quickbooks app store i would look there and, and see what the like see what things are going for and then i'd price it similar to what other sort of i'm sure there's similar tools about like where is your money going um, i would price it similar to whatever those are That is very good advice. Um, I was also surprised to see that there was a, a QuickBooks app store. Uh, I'm a little spooked, actually, to, to search it and see, like, <laughs> has someone else already done this exact thing? Uh, but I think even if they have, it, it would be useful just to go through the, the exercise. Um, yeah. I mean, when I was when I was building that Acorn chat, like the Slack app uh, thing, there's, there's already like 30 of those <laughs> in the app store. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It, you're going to do it a slightly different way. And, you know, if you market it in a slightly different way, then yeah, you'll find people that, you know, so don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. That's a point that I have started changing my perspective on of like my differentiating factor can be that I just have better marketing. If, if there's two competing products and one of them has a video from the founder explaining what the thing does and how to get it set up. And that's the only difference. I'm going to use that one. Because I understand it better. And like, oh, look, he has a nice, happy, smiling face. Uh, and he's walking me through exactly how he uses it. And like, yeah. Or, you know, having having a skyscraper blog post or like 
having a Facebook ad uh, that is targeting people direct. Like that, that is a differentiating advantage that can be enough to, to justify why someone would use your thing over someone else's. Um, there have been several Facebook ads that have been uh, targeted to me recently where like I did zero research on other competing products. I was just like, oh man, how cool is this thing? This solves the problem in my life. How much is it? A, an insignificant amount of money? Yes, I'm gonna buy it. The most recent one was a, uh, it's a, it's a P, uh, test kit that you take <laughs> like at the beginning of every day, and it tells you what vitamins you're deficient in. <laughs> they had a perfect ad that was like just for me of like, hey, I bet you're interested in health and like wanting to know if you're deficient in magnesium. Uh, here's this thing. It, it's like whatever. Uh, I think it was, it was like thirty dollars for a pack of them. Uh, and I thought, well, I'm not going to be subscribed to this forever. I just want to like figure out what this is uh, right now. And it was something that I had Googled before and not been able to find. And so having it pop up on my Facebook, like, perfect. You've done the work for me of trying to find this thing. And the, the checkout flow was nice. I just entered my address and uh, credit card and got it. So, yeah, I it's taken me so long to get to this point of, of realizing that, like, advertising is a differentiating factor. And, like, by advertising to people, I can be doing them a favor uh, for for people who have this similar problem of wanting to see a high level overview of their finances, like I am helping them, and by buying a Facebook ad, like I'm helping them solve their problem faster. And it doesn't matter if there are 200 apps that do the exact same thing, and I'm just recoding it. I'm just reinventing the wheel by merely advertising it. I am a more valuable product than those other ones because they are not doing the work of helping get that in front of the people who have that pain uh that that is a rant that i could not have given two years ago because i think i was feeling a lot of i don't know shame around like advertising and getting yeah. stuff out there yeah well and i think there's like there's a difference between like like you're not you're not deliberately ripping anybody's product off like i think that is yeah. bad you i mean you had a unique idea at least unique to you and even if someone else has done it like you're not ripping them off you're doing it your way and so i wouldn't feel any any qualms about having a similar product in the app store as someone else since you're doing it all yourself, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's fine. And, and you're right. Like marketing to the people is, you know, if they have that pr problem, then it's a service to them to get it in front of them. Um, yeah. Cool. Thank you for that affirmation. Uh, <laughs> I still, <laughs> it's still going to feel weird, like making a Facebook ad, but uh, I, I, that, that seems like a very straightforward process. And I feel like I, like I'm, over the course of doing this podcast, I've gotten much more comfortable in video and I've gotten much more comfortable in like making videos that help people, which just make the perfect content to be uh, boosting on social media. And I feel like I could launch this in like a day or two and have a thing that was making money, which I'm I'm really proud of. Like I had the, I've had things of this percolating in my head forever, but like the, the idea for a product and like buying a domain name is something I did yesterday and looking at my time tracker, I think I spent a total of like two hours on this so far and i think reasonably in another two hours i could have a thing that people could pay for that's like providing money every time i go through this cycle it's just a little bit faster uh it feels really good that's cool although i would give yourself at least a couple of weeks to figure out the quickbooks app store <laughs> yes uh yes yeah that's that's a thing that like in two hours i think i could get through that you have to manually export your uh yeah. your stuff and like drag and drop it in uh yeah man the Oh, I'm not looking forward to the app store process. That's going to be like, I was looking through a little bit of it and to have a production app 
you got to go through their review process and I'm sure it's financial data. So they're going to want like a terms of service and everything else. That's just, that's just going to be a pain, but it's a, it's a pain that I've been through before that, uh, like, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy to be doing this. I have a company and I, I can have a terms of service and yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited to hear how it turns out and hear your experiences with the QuickBooks app store. Uh, I hadn't, I didn't know about that before. So yeah. Once I get in, there may be other things like once I go on the safari of like what other what other problems do people want QuickBooks have that I can right. charge stupid amounts of money for a trivial amount of work after I've gone through this process of like already getting approved. Uh, I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I'm I'm also excited. Uh, Chris, that's all I got. That's all I got too. Then I will see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>